Welcome to the Pineland Underground. The official podcast of the United States Army, John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center and School. Bold, real, unrestricted. Join the resistance by liking, sharing, and spreading the word on whatever platform you follow us on. And please subscribe and leave a review to help shape future podcasts. As a grassroots effort, this is how we continue to expand. Welcome to the underground. Welcome back to another episode of the Pineland Underground. I'm one of your co-hosts, Ashley Holzman. I go by Ash, and I'm accompanied by my partner in crime, Command Sergeant, no, sorry, Sergeant Major, Derek <laughs> Used Riley. to be Command Sergeant Major, yes. now luckily just Staff Sergeant Major, so GS Sergeant Major, Derek Riley. Yes, both of us used to be cool. So <laughs> with us is First Sergeant now, Osiguera, goes by OC, we'll cover that in a second, mm-hmm. but he is the individual who is the go-to person to talk to when it comes to psychological operations assessment and selection, which is the topic for today. Yeah, we just obviously just covered the special forces assessment selection. So now we want to follow up and cover the psychological operations assessment selection and in future episodes cover the civil affairs assessment selection. But with that, we have First Sergeant O.C. Guetta. He served at every position in the psychological operations and special operations from team leader through first sergeant. Uh, he has deployments, multiple deployments to the CENTCOM AOR. They include Iraq, Afghanistan, and Jordan. And he's currently the first sergeant for Alpha Company 9th Psychological Operations Battalion. First of all, thanks for having me, guys. I, I really appreciate it. First sergeant, OC, everyone calls me OC. Got one of those difficult, challenging last names, something that's stuck all the way from basic training. So everybody mostly knows me as OC. Really, honestly, just thanks for having me. Um, as you said, you know, I've become the go-to in, in some way, shape, or form for talking about assessment and selection. You know, I was fortunate enough to be an assessor out there and then go back as the NCOIC. So unfortunately, I have a lot of experience in this thing. So. Fortunately, fortunately. It's well, good. It's good. Yeah. No, it's perfect. Awesome. Let's jump into it then. I think a question I always like to make sure that we're thinking about because I think context helps, right, is uh, share your uh, recruiting story. How did you come here? How did you get into into this world? I think if I if I share my recruiting story, right, I, I got to kind of start at the beginning for me. Uh, I, like many people, joined the Army because, you know, I, I didn't quite know what I was going to do with my life. Uh, I grew up in a military family, and that seemed like kind of the thing to do. I had aspirations of joining the reserves, getting some experience, going to college, like literally the commercial for Army recruiting. Yeah. Like, hey, come, we'll give you some skills. Uh, you can go to college. And uh, I found myself right after uh, basic training AIT. I deployed immediately. Two weeks out of basic training, I get that call. Hey, your unit's being activated. You're going to Iraq. And I kind of really fell in love with the Army. And so um, when I get back from that deployment, I come on to active duty. And to put it bluntly, the Army wasn't quite what I expected it to be. It wasn't quite like my deployment. So I was really looking for something else, right? I was looking for something more, to do more, to contribute more. I was really addicted to this idea of one person being able to make a really large difference in the world or the wars or whatever it is the Army was doing at the time. And so I found myself at a SORB recruiting brief. You know, I I got that email that said, hey, psychological operations, recruiters are coming to your duty station. Um, show up to this briefing, right? And I'm like, oh, well, let me let me see what this is. And I show up, and and I don't remember the whole brief, but it was one line that the recruiter said. He said that we are looking for people that want to make a difference, 
and the choices that they make and the things that they do can have a very, very large impact on large groups of people. And I, I kind of zoned out. I don't remember anything else, but I remember that. And I was like, this is, this is exactly what I want to be doing and That's where awesome. I want to go next. Yeah. No, that, and that's it, right? Like uh, that brings a lot of us into this world is the belief that you can be a force multiplier. And then also the actualization that oftentimes we are, we're asked to be. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Your PSYOP experience then, as you did come in, uh, was the op tempo, what you, what you were looking for, the operational tempo, which is a phrase that we like to use for our listeners, a phrase that we like to use, which means uh, everything is going insanely fast and uh, there's always something to do. Yeah, so w- when I showed up here to the Special Warfare Center in school for training, it was uh, drinking through a fire hose, you know, just lots of information really quickly. And then honestly, in my first couple of years in SAP, that didn't really change from the day that I graduated the the qualification course. Uh, I remember it specifically because the, the PSYOP group sergeant major came to graduation and he said, let me talk to all the enlisted outside. So we go outside and there's this person that I've never met. I'm so relatively young in the Army. It's, you know, the group sergeant major talking to us. And the first thing he says is, is like, hey, I'm really glad you're here because we need you all. You guys are all deploying to either Iraq or Afghanistan within six months. And that was kind of my first five years in PSYOP, just constantly deploying, knowing what my next deployment was going to be before I was finished with the current one. Just like, hey, when you come back, we're going again six months later. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, was, that was my experience. And, and I got a lot of experience really, really quickly. I grew up really, really fast. It was put in a lot of situations where I just had to, to grow up really quickly and I had to learn really quickly. And so in that regard, it was, it was everything that I was hoping for, everything that I was expecting, you know, to see the world, to get new experiences and to really make an impact, you know, to really be helpful. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. That's totally, that's the dream, right? But also sometimes that it can be a lot. Uh, I came in at the tail end of some of the conflicts and from 2015 to 2019, like it was six months on, six months off, six months on, six months off, just steady state. There's always another operation. In between that, you also came here to, to SWIC. And then also after that, you came back to SWIC. So kind of like the transition into some of that, you came in kind of around the time when psychological operations assessment and selection was actually founded, uh, correct? Like yeah. You were a part of some of, one of the first groups, right? Yeah, that, that, that's right. So I, I got to the to, to SWIC, the Special Warfare Center in school in 2008, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we did not have an assessment and selection at that time. And, um, you know, like I said, fast and furious deploying. And, and I think uh, my experience was a, was a common one in terms of, I don't want to, I, I struggle to say quality because still a lot of quality soldiers, NCOs and officers, but in terms of the types of individuals that we really need and we're really looking for, it was a really, really mixed bag. And so kind of the same theme for me. I had a lot of friends that had moved over to, to help start assessment and selection in late 2009, 2010, that that time period and they 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 hooked me they were like hey look uh if you're not happy with the quality of guys like come over here and and help with assessment and selection and this is a good place to be so once i got to that point where i was like yeah i've had a lot of deployments it's time for me to to move on and do something else i looked for this opportunity to to come be an assessor and 
yeah, I had a good three years at assessment selection as an assessor. But again, it's it's that same hook, like, hey, if you want to make a difference, mm-hmm. if you want to help, and just seeing the, the, again, it's not quality, it's just about the right type of person. Mm-hmm. And so that transition from no selection to now has just been tremendous. You know, it's it's been something that I know that I can see the difference, and I think back to some of my deployments and uh, some of my early experiences, uh, just not having all the right guys on a team, you know, and so... I think that's really where assessment and selection came from for SIAP, right, is identifying that while you can be a good soldier, NCO, or an officer, you just might not be a good fit for our organization for one reason or another, and trying to make sure that, that uh, we identify who those people are and uh, get them over here and get them some training and, and get them out the door, get them some good experiences. And so, again, very fortunate that I was able to be an assessor and um, be there kind of not not too early on, but earlier in assessment and selection. I think when I showed up, we were four, five years in. So you talked about looking at the right fit for the psychological operations. It can kind of evolve on that. And what what's the type of people, type of soldier you guys are kind of looking for for your craft and your field within special operations? I think one of the things that we've said for a while now is it's this this idea of being intellectually hardworking looking for somebody who's willing to put in the work in terms of research, and that's reading and writing. Those people that are, are kind of more attracted to the analytical side of things. And so if we, we kind of sum up all the things that are hard work, right? Well, you can be a hard worker at one thing and not the other. And so I think that fits perfectly into this idea of the type of person, getting the right person hey, if you're willing to do a lot of research and use the analytical parts of your brain, generally speaking, you're going to be a decent cyber, you know, you're like, and that's what we're looking for. And so, and, and there's this other piece of it, right? Like willing and able to do that in both a tactical and a non-tactical setting. We have cybers that are running around on the ground with SFODAs. We have cybers that have never worked with an SFODA before, that mm-hmm. they've only had experiences in embassies working with the State Department. So really being able to find people who can work in both of those environments, if they're asked to, is is a big part of what we're doing out there at assessment and selection. Mm. So with that, though, comes a maturity, like a lot of maturity, having the maturity to know that you can do either one of those things, having the maturity to be able to sit in a room with a bunch of folks from the State Department or sit in a room with a bunch of Green Berets and get to work and use your skills and your intelligence to really have that outsized impact, you know. There is a part of the job that is at times translating the job, right, to, to various groups. And how can I describe what, what we're doing on the ground to uh, a non-government organization or, like you said, an Operation Detachment Alpha, Special Forces Detachment, or civil affairs or rangers and navy seals and the psyop experience is absolutely a a broad net uh for sure so i imagine being at assessment selection there's a lot of challenge there and making sure that it's both uh fair and impartial but also identifying correctly yeah i i think broad is is um it's almost an understatement in Mm -hmm. this regard you know if we only had to to you just pick one of those things and oh, yeah. like it just would become way easier. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges for the psychological operations regimen is that 
we can get called to do anything, whether it's support to special operations units, support to the State Department, support to conventional army units. It's a wide, wide net. Yeah, yeah, and finding someone who can be adaptable. I know our students don't always enjoy when we say those things where it's they ask us a question we say it depends and then if the room's doing a good job of balancing the answer it's like well here i'll share my part of the story the, him, my nco he has a completely different experience or my my peer she has a very different experience and we'll all share your our experiences so you can just understand when we say it depends we're like not kidding like every continent's different every mission's different that's uh, the the sci world I've answered more questions with, well, it depends in PSYOP <laughs> than I ever thought I could possibly imagine. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy because you're absolutely right. It's always, it depends, maybe. Yeah. Well, in this situation, yes, but definitely not in this situation. Yeah, and, and what do you want to achieve so that we then know what kind of support we can give? So that kind of, like, bleeds us into, like, another question then, right, is, okay, this is psychological operations assessment selection. Why is there a separate selection from special forces? How is this selection different from the special forces selection? Like we already kind of like touched on some of the, the how the missions are a little sometimes greatly different, sometimes only a little different. But uh, getting into like the specifics of that as well, I think one of the big things is you know we, we use the RSOF attributes, mm-hmm. right? Um, but how we look at each attribute, how we weigh those attributes is going to be different. And the way we look at capability as an RSOF attribute, that's going to be drastically different for our Green Berets than it is for our psychological operations folks, right? So, And that's why you need to have this separate selection, right? Um, and to be honest, team player looks different when you're asking guys to sit down and, and, and essentially write a research paper, right? So... You have your team write this research paper, do this research. That looks a lot different than, hey, we need to carry all this stuff, and and for good reason, right? We're doing different things, and so we have to kind of look at these RSOF attributes through a different lens. And the things that SFAS is doing, they've been doing it for a very long time. They're very, very good at what they do, and so there are definitely some things that we we borrowed from them and said, like, yeah, that – that's the way to do this. But then there's some other things that they just don't need to consider. So we had to be adaptable and say, how do we get after these specific things, you know? But with that, you know, there's still a lot of things that are the same. You know, we're still going to rock. This is the army at the end of the day. So we're still going to rock. We're still going to run. We're still going to take a PT test. You know, it's it's those types of things. We're still going to look at those basic army team player challenges in all of the selections, it's just how much other stuff are we going to do? When you look at the differences and the similarities, it's the biggest thing is, hey, we're still looking at the RSOF attributes, just what events are we going to put you through to get after them that make the most sense for what psychological operations, the psychological operations regiment as a whole is going to be doing. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, getting into some of the other like specifics, like so uh, instead of just like necessarily like all the physical events, so mm-hmm. Special Forces Assessment Selection, SFAS, very physically enduring, physically rigorous. I know you can't spoil the answers to the test. How would you say, like, we rephrase and, like, what's the perfect person? Is there a perfect person that PSYOP Assessment Selection is looking for? 
I don't know if there's a, a perfect person. One of the things is generally we're looking to in each individual, like this this holistic evaluation, right? Do your strengths outweigh your weaknesses, right? Do your strengths align with the things that we're looking for? When we're talking about an ideal POAS candidate, I, I think it's somebody who's a really, really strong communicator. You can do all the research in the world, right? But if you can't effectively communicate that, whether it's writing or mm. speaking to somebody, you're going to have some real challenges. So that's always one of the big first things we're looking for. Are you a strong communicator? Are you intellectually hardworking? And hey, are you a good soldier? You know, like, are you pretty good at PT? Because again, we might ask you to do some very physically challenging things. So, you know, we want you to be physically fit. So if you're intellectually hardworking, if you're a strong communicator and you're physically fit, like, man, you should really give this a try and see if this is something that that uh, you'd like to do. So, and I'd say that's probably our ideal candidate. And you talked about it, Ash, you know, we can't divulge details of selection assessment, right? For obvious reasons, we want to protect the integrity of our program so that we get and everybody gets a fair shake and look at uh, how they weigh against the RSOF attributes as they attend selection assessment. But, you know, based on what you can divulge, what would best prepare a soldier, an officer who wishes to attend the psychological operations assessment selection program? So, and I've given this advice to a lot of candidates over the years, you know, I've gotten a lot of phone calls like, hey, you know, don't give me the keys, but what do I really need to do? And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll say the same thing I've always said. If you can ruck 12 miles with a 35-pound ruck in under three hours, you can run five miles in under 45 minutes, have a 540 on your ACFT, and do all that in a week and not be crushed by it, you're going to be in good enough shape to come through our assessment and selection, and, and it'll allow us to, to see who you are as an individual where we can work on those other things. And I think the physical pre- preparation is something that that should be in the front of everybody's mind is like, hey, it's the easiest thing you can control, right? And so if you get after your physical fitness and you, and you show up physically fit, fit, which what we're talking about is, is kind of good army fitness, right? Like, yeah, so then it's not a disqualifier. So like at the most elemental base, right, where you come to civil affairs, psychological operations or special forces. I mean, inherently, everybody knows special forces. You want to be in peak physical conditioning. Right. But CA and PSYOPs, right, civil affairs and psychological operations, there might be a, a persona out there. So, well, I'm going to selection assessment and I don't need to be physically fit. And I think, you know, I think a lot of soldiers are caught off guard by that uh, as they attend those two uh, assessment selections. Have you seen that kind of a. I mean, either way, the assessment selection is, is going to have the standards and soldiers are going to have to compete in those standards in that space. I, I, yeah, I, I think there there's, it's almost like rumors, right? It's like, this is a good opportunity for, for me to correct some of these rumors. Hopefully every candidate yes, that comes through. Do. Like, yeah. Yeah. Don't it, tell them about the dragon, though. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the mystery event. Yes. Oh, man. The, the, if you ever hang out with guys that have worked out assessment selection, I'll tell you some crazy stories and, and some really interesting things that candidates do, but... In, in terms of rumors and misconceptions, the, the two biggest ones that i seen were that the selection was going to be one way or the other. People are either prepared to it to physically suck and weren't prepared to read or write or talk to anybody, or they're on the other side. That's all they prepared for. You know, some recruiter at some point was like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, you're good. You, you know, you got a good PT score. You'll be fine. And, and they just kind of showed up. And so we have these candidates that will show up, didn't prepare at all. And so they don't make it through the course, right? Like 
it's it's almost like they're self-selecting by not physically preparing. And, you know, I, I talked to almost all of the candidates that were non-selects throughout my time there. And the ones that were unable to finish the course, it was always pretty consistent. These were guys that didn't think it was going to be physically challenging. Most of them had never rucked 12 miles before. It's crazy that yeah, um, the, to, to us. Time like, to find out it's not yeah. at the event. Oh no, it's re- it's it's really not not at all. And and just the sheer amount of, of folks that don't finish the course that are just like, oh yeah, uh, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. And so the next question that I asked him is, well, what was your physical preparation like? And you know, they all say this about the same things, right? I asked them, well, how often are you rucking? And they're like, oh, once a week twice a week, maybe like, okay, how far are you going? Ah, uh, five, six miles. And, and Hey, that, that's, that's not going to cut it. Right. Like mm. you got to be able to do a 12 mile in under three hours and, and, um, go for a nice run the next day. Like that's when you're in a rucking shape, you know, and mm-hmm. that's, that's just generally not what a lot of candidates are doing. So, and then again, on the other side, there, there's a lot of candidates who show up really physically fit and it's very, very impressive. Um, especially some of our younger soldiers. I'm like, you've been in the army 12 months. How did you get in this shape so quickly? And it's really, really impressive. So we know that it's possible, but they just, you know, didn't think that they were going to have to read or write anything. And so, you know, they're crushing all the physical events, but that, you know, it's like they're using all of their energy to be the top physical performers, but you know, now they're tired. Thinking it's going to outbalance and something where it's, uh, it's like a whole person, right? A whole picture of it's not just like the PT stud is going to become a psyoper because that person will probably not have a very good experience if they did make it through where, okay, hey, you have to brief this ambassador or this four-star general or et cetera, like these things that really do happen. I remember I, eight months after graduating the pipeline, I was briefing a four-star general. And then my second deployment after that, it was an ambassador. It's like very real events, very real things. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that, that we talk about pretty often when when kind of holistically looking our candidates was that if you're coming from from Fort Bragg you don't have to do a PCS so you know your time from Liberty s- Fort Liberty yep, excuse me Fort Liberty yeah so if you're coming from from Fort Liberty to selection you are time to getting to a SIOP unit it's going to be pretty quick no mm. PCS involved so you go through selection you go through the qualification course that can be as fast as a year sometimes so when you're sitting there looking at candidates, you kind of have to think like this candidate could be in front of an ambassador in about 18 months, you know, or in front of a two, three, four star general. And, you know, that's a pretty high bar, you know, and it it really highlights the what we're looking for in guys, you know, really adaptable, really smart, hardworking individuals, you know, because we're man, we're going to put them in some really difficult situations, some really challenging situations. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking on that, what is uh, some any other common misunderstandings regarding uh, psychological operations assessment and selection? I mean, you spoke of a lot of them, right? Kind of the difference between physical demands, vice, intellectual communication demands. Is is there any other dispelled rumors out there? Because uh, we know there's a lot out there, right? You yeah. talked a, lo- a couple of them just now, but I, what other rumors or things you could dispel kind of to the audience to kind of help that future recruit who's deciding to a career path in the uh, psychological operations field? Yeah, I think one is that that if you speak a foreign language, that will outweigh all of your other 
weaknesses and and it really doesn't right like and that's a challenge for a lot of our um, folks that do speak one or two languages right is is that some candidates think that like oh no I speak three languages I'm I'm the perfect fit for psyop and well hey we, we love having folks with uh, that speak two three languages that's really great it's really helpful but you got to have all the other stuff too so I, I think sometimes there's a tendency for for some of those candidates to underprepare in the other areas and that can be really challenging because sometimes you're looking at a guy who just really didn't perform and you're like man you know if you'd have just performed a little bit better we wouldn't we wouldn't be sitting here wondering if maybe you're going to be a good fit mm-hmm. you know so yeah there's a lot of risk there too right like are they gonna when given the opportunity then have the whatever we want to call it the discipline yeah. to physically get in shape with if they need to be because we don't know what mission they'll be applied to and make multiple languages that's perfect for multitudes of of events that we we participate in and that's why it's a rumor right because while that is a strength right but hey at selection we are giving you the opportunity to perform giving you the opportunity to demonstrate who you are and you didn't do it you mm-hmm. know and so there's only so much that we can kind of guess and say especially when we're looking at things object as as objectively as we are yeah. and saying like hey here are the standards you know and and you just you didn't meet them it's like with uh with all of the special operations assessments and selections it's it's a very cohesive job interview that's what it is at its root but it involves more than most civilian organizations involved where there's yeah there's physical but there's also a lot of intellectual there's a lot of nuance for some of this stuff but nuance for the person going through the interview process but they don't realize all the stuff that's happening in the background where it is very consistent it is very much uh, as objective as we can make these events as objective as we can make these assessments and and at the same time it's also it's not training so it is also does xyz person have the potential for this and then as they go through the rest of the pipeline that is attempting to train them and seeing if they do in fact have the potential or can they fulfill it yeah i think that's you know when you talk about the kind of objectivity that's i think that's one of the more challenging things for our candidates right is that while we do give them feedback and we say like hey these these are the things that maybe you underperformed in right like it's not as straightforward as some of the other physical events right like hey you either finished the ruck in this amount of time or you didn't. That's that's very straightforward, very objective. Mm. Some of the other things are a little bit more challenging for our candidates to wrap their heads around in terms of, oh, well, how did I fail? You know, and, and mm. while we do have rubrics and we do have very clear standards, I think divulging any more information sometimes is like, we'll break the rubric, right? And, mm-hmm. and that makes it really challenging for guys to like, to say like, hey, you weren't a very strong communicator, and, but in their minds they're like, okay, well, what didn't I say, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, you know, like, hey, you got to think of, well, what didn't you communicate? How weren't you clear? And and that's hard for candidates to kind of go back and think through all that, you know, and it, it's really challenging for candidates to hear like, hey, you're not as great of a communicator as maybe you think you are, mm-hmm. and it's something you really need to work on. And honestly, that's not... That's not even the the best advice to give guys a lot of times, you know, when they're non-select and and we're hoping they come back. So a lot of times we try to give them very, very practical advice, right? Is that like, hey, these are the things that you need to go back and do, you know, get some more leadership experience, go back and practice talking to more people, 
uh, work on your public speaking skills. We try to give them very, very practical things to do instead of like, eh, just figure out on your own how to be a better communicator. Communicate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we always try to give guys like, here's what you need to do Mm -hmm. because it can be hard to understand like what exactly we're looking for. And it it should be, right? But it sounds like you would have passed assessment selection from your communicating capabilities. Yeah. 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 Maybe we'll see. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's funny you bring that up because there's not many of us around in the SIOP regiment anymore that haven't gone through selection. We've all grown up and gotten out or retired. So we are over 10 years into this now. And, you know, we're going to have command SAR majors that went through selection here very, very soon. And, and it, it's kind of awesome to see because the, the quality that we have in the regiment is just mm-hmm. tremendous right now. And and as a first sergeant, you know, I see a lot of the guys that I selected, that assessment and selection selected, rather. And man, it's just, it's so impressive to see these guys, especially the younger ones, to see them get to the company and just, they're ready to rock. And it's day and night to what mm-hmm. it was like when I first got to up. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we're saying guys, but guys and, and gals, right, too, <laughs> like... Yeah, that's that's like one of the things that um, I don't want to say it's hard for me, but it, it's another thing that's really impressive because there weren't that many female sappers when I showed up here. You know, you'd have one or two a company, mm-hmm. and and now it's like one or two per detachment. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, right? Like, there's I'm consistently astonished at the quality of folks coming over, and um, and you know, this is specific to to selection, right? Because mm-hmm. there, I know, and I've having worked at assessment selection for so long. I've talked to so many female candidates that were, they were self-selecting because they're like, oh, it's going to be too physically challenging, you know? And they're just like, ah, I don't know if I want to do that. But to see the quality that does come over combined with the ones that like, oh, I didn't think I could make it because of how physically challenging it was. And, or the ones that are like, hey, I know I didn't really physically keep up with the members of my team, but here's how I tried to, to show my value and my worth to a team. And I'm like, yep, no, you nailed it. Like, yes, you may have been one of the, the weaker physical contributors on the team, but man, in every other area, you killed it. And so, you know, if, if we're using this as a recruiting tool, which, hey, like, come out. If you think that, like, you can't make it because it's too physically challenging, hey, do your best to prepare and come out because, I guarantee you there are a lot of female soldiers and NCOs out there that have way more strengths than their physical capability and that would just outweigh all of that, you know, and, and that's really what we're looking for. You know, when we talk about balance, right? Do your strengths outweigh your weaknesses? And and um, I just know that that's a huge deterrent for a lot of candidates. And, you know, we are looking for that whole package and that perfect balance. Yeah. And, and some awesome nerdy side history. We've had women serving in what in our profession since the Second World War. We have had women in SOP for decades. And sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less, but they're here and they're staying. And they're at all echelons of leadership too. Yeah, I think that's that's like um, one of the, you know, when you talk about all echelons of leadership, yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. it's um, yeah, full birds in the yep. reserves. There's uh, at least one SOP general. Uh, so like CSMs, Aliyah Guinness has, she yeah. comes to mind really. So we have women and men and we are often very representative of if you're getting through selection, it's because you are the person we're looking for. It's not like dominated by any, any one type necessarily kind of to your point earlier. We talked a lot about the mechanics of, of selection and kind of the whole 
concept, the whole person concept you're kind of looking for, both communicative, intelligence, physical. Let's talk about kind of the, the pathway into selection, right? You talked mm-hmm. a little about recruiting. You kind of kind of have two pathways, right? You have an initial entry training similar to the 18X model that SF has, but then we have the traditional in-service recruit candidate model. Can you kind of talk about the difference between those two pathways for those soldiers out there that might not be familiar with wanting to come into the regimen through the various pathways? Yeah, you know, I, I think I'll start with our, our in-service recruits, right? You know, hey, contact special operations recruiter. They'll help you get over here, you know, get physically prepared, all those things. Um, you know, you can go to selection. It's relatively short time to go from talking to a recruiter to getting into selection if you're physically ready. And then, you know, transitioning to the our initial entry training folks, right? You know, that that's going to be a lot longer process. Those guys kind of coming off the street, as we say, you know, that they're going to go to basic. They're going to go to advanced individual training the army is going to give them an, MO, an MOS, right? They're going to give them a job first before allowing them to come to selection. And so right now that's the military police corps. So all of our initial entry training candidates, uh, they go to basic training, they go to MP school, um, then they'll come here to Fort Liberty and process the special warfare center in school. We'll get them through a preparation course and then they'll attend selection. Um, and sometimes that, that window can be really short from what we would say is from the couch to selection, man, I've seen it as short as eight months, which is just absolutely crazy. And and I think, like I said earlier, right, like it's impressive what some of these, these, these younger soldiers can do and how successful they can be at selection. So I know that it's possible. But one thing I, I do want to say is that like for those candidates that, hey, you signed up and you're going to basic training soon, if you don't take advantage of every opportunity in basic training and AIT and the preparation course to really push yourself and get prepared, it, it, let me tell you, it, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be there, rough, yeah. But there, there is enough time, and, and that's the, I think that's the, the hardest thing is you have the candidates who are like, oh, man, it's, you know, I just haven't had enough time. But let me tell you, like, there's some, there's some young soldiers that absolutely crush selection and they're absolutely crushing the qualification course. You just have to take every opportunity you have to get, to improve yourself. And there's a couple other programs that not everyone always knows about too. So I know there's memorandums and whatnot in place so that if you're in the Marine Corps and you want to come to assessment selection, it has happened more than once. There's also, as you mentioned, straight off the street, but also like uh, Derek said, the, mentioning the 18 x-ray program, some special forces initial entry, so off the street into the special forces pipeline. Some of them actually also come to, if they aren't what special forces is looking for, sometimes they're exactly what we're looking for, correct? That's another um, way to kind of come over to our assessment and selection, right? Is I, I think there's a lot of, like everybody knows what uh, a Green Beret, what a special forces soldier in the army is, right? And I, I think one of the our challenges is not a lot of people know about this. And so there, there's a lot of folks, and I've seen them, that, you know, they join up as 18 x-rays to become SF, and they just didn't know about this. And while mm-hmm. they're not a good fit for SF, once they find out, they're like, oh, yeah, maybe I should give that a try. Mm-hmm. And so there is that opportunity for our, the 18 x-ray candidates who aren't a good fit for SF, you know, to, to come over and, and – come to the psychological operations assessment selection. And and I think that's been tremendous just because there's so many of the 18 x-rays that didn't know about SAP before they signed up. So that that's another pathway. 
And it's a great opportunity, right, to allow these soldiers maximum opportunity to benefit from one of these selection assessment programs within SWIC. You know, we don't want to give them one shot unless it's, you know, blatantly a never-to-return type scenario with an egregious act in selection. But if, you know, they just performed, and, and, and like you said, not what special forces or civil affairs was looking for, let's give them another opportunity, another selection assessment. Give them a shot, and either they have it or they don't, right? But maximizing that soldier say I was given every opportunity by the command to be successful in one of these fields. Yeah, it's something we like to say a lot in SWIC. Like, just because you don't make it through an assessment and selection doesn't mean you're a bad soldier. It doesn't, all it means is you were not, and it doesn't mean forever, right? Like the version of you that showed up to this event was not what was required for, for the, to get through it. And it doesn't mean anything more than that some, most times, right? Like, it's true. I think generally every single person that has come through any of the RSOF assessment and selections is probably a pretty good soldier, NCO, or officer, right? Like these are folks that signed up to do something even harder than what they're doing right now. And I think that mm-hmm. says a lot about each individual that wants to try it in the first place, right? And I think that's hard, right? Like the, you know, oh, I didn't make it. I'm, I must be terrible. No, you're just not exactly what we're looking for yeah. right now. You know, and and so, you know, and when we talk about those opportunities, you know, that, you know, this is why we have three different assessment and selections, because we're looking for different things, you know. So, you know, I I really do hope that if you weren't a fit for one, that, you know, you you really do some research and see if this could be a good fit for you, too, and and come try it out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So we've kind of danced around some of this question, but I wanted to also kind of like knife handed into the for the audience's benefit of like uh, what common theme do you think is like encapsulating of a PSYOP or like what, what would you say is something that the regiment looks for? So then of course we have to look for it in the PSYOP assessment selection. Yeah. So the the first one is always going to be physical fitness, right? We can just, Hey, if you're an RSOF, you need to be physically fit. Um, And so if we set that aside, I think it's three things, right? I think it's being confident. I think it's being intelligent, just being smart, and being a good communicator. My hope is that every sapper like grows to be an expert communicator at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're gonna ask you to do some really cool research, come up with some really cool ideas to change behavior, and then we're gonna ask you to brief it to some really important decision makers. And if, if you can't communicate that, then it's gonna be a challenge. So if you're confident, intelligent, and you're a strong communicator, you, know, you are absolutely what we're looking for. Awesome. Some of those things, those messages and themes that, you know, cybers are trying to come up with, right? Those could be kind of contentious to a senior leader. You know, you have the various courses of action, right? Being from probably the most high risk to the most low risk, but being able to articulate those things that are kind of nebulous to a senior leader who, right, could be a conventional force commander or let's face it, he's not, he's not a PSYOP senior leader. So having, having one of a foundational understanding of what you're bringing to the operation to the mission, right? That the stuff are, you know, you're already articulating your value proposition one, and then, then you're going to this kind of course of action analysis, kind of talk about high risk to low risk type opportunities that you're provi- providing to that supported commander, right? That's, that's, those are, that's a very hard thing to communicate to senior leaders out there. It, it really is. And, and, you know, that's, it, it highlights the, the challenging situations we're going to put Cyapers in, right? Like you might get, Ash, I don't know how your uh, first meeting with a general officer or an ambassador was, but mine were very, very short. 
And <laughs> it was, hey, you have about 10 minutes to brief something that you've been working on for months. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would describe mine as I had two minutes. Yeah. And, uh, and especially with, like for the ambassador, they told me I had less than 10 minutes and I was sharing the meeting with someone else and that I also had to get a signature for another document. So it was very much a, uh, I would try to say something as interesting and terse and to the point as possible so that he could then respond to me so I could get the guidance I needed. And then if he wanted the meeting to go longer, it would go longer. And uh, not only that, so my first my first ambassador experience, uh, I prepared for about a month with my non-commissioned officer, Jason. And uh, at the door to the ambassador's office, they told Jason that he couldn't come in. Oh, and man. so it was one of those, like, I'm the brand new officer kind of scenarios where it's like, like we say that this happens to people, but it happened to me. And, and so like, it's real. Yes, it's real. It does happen. <laughs> it happens out there in the field. Yeah, right? like I, I think too. You know, whether it's it's that situation or just you know, I've been in some of these rooms where like I didn't think I was going to have a speaking part. You know, I'm just I'm here to take notes. I'm here to sit oh, in the yeah. back, or I brought somebody with me to learn. And uh, a general officer is like, "Hey, what's that guy in the back of the room think about this?" And then, you know, you have some, and I've been in that situation where I'm like, oh man, like I yeah. don't, I have five words and yeah. I better not mess them up. Like this is my opportunity. And if I say the wrong thing, this decision maker might be like, yeah, hey, thanks for coming. We'll let you know. And then you're not getting another meeting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter what rank you are in this profession. Uh, at times you are the person they want to know uh, the opinion of and also you will at times be the person briefing. Like I've seen E5s, sergeants brand new who were on the PSYOP team, whatever we were doing at the time, and they were the ones who were having to brief someone that was very high ranking and important. And more often than not, my experience has been that they do step up to the plate. And I think that comes to the, the quality of the person that we're attracting and the quality of the person that's making it through the process, the process of becoming one of us. Yeah, I think selection is definitely helping us avoid those times where you're like, don't let that guy go anywhere because somebody might ask him a question. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like it's uh and, and I've been there, you know, and this is where I where, you know, where I talk about um night and day, right? Like I've seen those things happen where it's just like, Hey, what are you doing here in this room right now? You gotta participate, you know, what's your opinion on this thing? And it's just like, oh, man, I knew we shouldn't have brought that guy. <laughs> you know? But I, I haven't run into that situation in a long time, and it's, yeah. it's, it's refreshing. Yeah. You know? yeah. No, it feels good. We're on the right track. We're getting there. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. All right. So last question. Uh, what would your pitch be for someone who's considering crossing over into the special operations arena, and they're not sure if they should even come to PSYOP? They, they're just looking at everything that's on the table. What would you say to that individual who's on the fence about uh, maybe they want to go to one of the other tribes? Maybe they want to go to another assessment selection. Why should they come to attend PSYOP assessment selection? You know, I, I got to bring it full circle here, Ash. Uh, and it's the, you know, I'm a little biased because it was my recruiting pitch. But, you know, you have an opportunity to make an impact that's outsized, right? Um, we're going to work on and are in all over the world right now working on really challenging problems right now. I, I tend to think of it like this, right? The bigger the problem, the longer it's going to take to change, and the larger the impact you're going to have. And generally speaking, those are the types of problems that the PSYOP regimen is asked to work on. And if that's something that's interesting to you, 
uh, man, you should really give this a shot because you really do have the opportunity to have an outsized impact on whatever you're working on if you're willing to put in the work. That's awesome. At this time, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Pineland Underground. And with that, I will bid you farewell. <laughs>